And good morning to everybody. This is Dr. Z here with the natural nurse and Dr. Z. I'm really excited to be with you today. And Dr. Kamai should be joining us shortly. And we're always here every week to talk about health, wellness, and issues in alternative medicine today. And boy, do we have lots of issues to talk about. Our main topic today is going to be talking about high blood pressure and how it's looked at by both conventional medicine and various branches of holistic medicine and uh, understanding all the different research that's been done on this seemingly common thing that everyone sort of takes for granted, high blood pressure, but we'll talk about its roots because in natural medicine, they tend to like to treat the person who has the blood pressure problem versus the blood pressure problem itself. Um, so there's a little bit difference there in philosophy. So we'll get into that in a bit. But you can always get more information about our uh, talks and walks. Like we're, we have our um, Jamaica trip in the West Indies coming up in March and late February. So, uh, and any of that information can be accessed by going on our website, which is DRZ Naturally, Dr. Z Naturally, and naturalnurse.com. So we're really excited to always talk about our trip to Jamaica, which is called Eco Tours for Cures. And this is where people will go into the rainforest and discover new and exciting herbs and plants and work with the local people and enjoy the local amazing cuisine of uh, the Caribbean. And this is uh, an eco-tour. And, you know, an eco-tour is defined as a, like an educational vacation. So where people can go and relax and have fun, but then there's also some structured activity as far as those that are interested in plant medicine. So we're offering this, like we have been for many, many years, uh, to our Natural Alternatives uh, listeners and uh, other people, of course, if you're interested in photography or you're just a lover of of reggae music and Jamaican culture or you have a, you're, you're a nurse or doctor or chiropractor, naturopathic physician, whatever, and you have an interest in medicine and, and understanding rooted knowledge where medicine is coming from, you know, the ancient systems of medicine from traditional people. When we use the word traditional, we mean real traditional medicine. This is uh, medicine that has been around the planet for many, many years, many centuries, decades, millennia. That's the word traditional. And so we tap into this ancient wisdom and knowledge. And um, that is part of our mission at Eco Tours for Cures is to teach people about these things. Actually, I'm traveling out to uh, a conference and I'm going to be teaching people about these things. So we're really excited to uh, teach people about herbs and natural medicine. So I think we'll uh, 
get started with the program here. So uh, hypertension, hypertension is something that is a scourge in the United States. So many people have either hypertension or borderline hypertension. So let's define that and we'll talk a little bit about uh, what that means um, as we explore, evaluate, and treat the underlying imbalances and pathologies in hypertension using naturopathic and holistic approaches. So, you know, hypertension is not, first of all, hypertension is not a disease, it's a syndrome. What's the difference between a syndrome and a disease? Well, a syndrome is something that can be caused by a zillion underlying things. And it's not, it's a constellation of symptoms that are grouped together and medicine sees the group and recognizes that this is some sort of a compensatory part of the body to uh, act and bring harmony back into the system. But unfortunately, that sometimes that harmony breaks down and then we develop these abnormal symptomologies. Now, the body, in its wisdom, is just trying to compensate for these abnormalities. And, you know, for instance, with high blood pressure, you know, there's quite a bit of abnormalities that have been found in uh, measurements taken by, you know, scientists and researchers over the, over the millennia. And um, things like Western diet, lifestyle choices, excess aldosterone, release of catecholamines and cortisol stress hormones, blood viscosity issues, deficiencies of minerals, heavy metal toxicity, antioxidant deficiencies, all of these things can lead to high blood pressure. And they have to be corrected. Uh, you know, the, the idea of just using a high blood pressure medicine to keep your, your pressure low and just kind of forgetting, sweeping under the rug, so to speak, a lot of these underlying pathologies is sort of uh, not really recommended, and but yet is a pathway pursued by many, many different uh, practitioners as, you know, they struggle to see patients within their limited time and not have a lot of time to discuss these underlying pathologies. So with that introduction we'll get more into how uh what we look at with hypertension so well, dr z did you know that i got in it finally hi dr kamai great to see you okay so we're both here. hypertension and gave a little introduction to it i heard so, the only you know, thing i would you. add i would Fabulous. add to that is when you said um Taking medication is not recommended. Absolutely. Unfortunately, that seems to be the only thing that's recommended in mainstream medicine. Yeah, I'm not, you know, it's sort of like um, they forget that there's a whole underlying 
you know, it's like an iceberg. The, the part of the iceberg that sinks you is most of the stuff under the water. What you see at the tip is, um, and I've seen that picture to describe, you know, these convoluted and complex uh, etiologies and things with, with diseases. But yeah, so we're looking at what's underneath the water in holistic medicine that's going to sink the ship, so to speak. <laughs> so, but it takes a lot of time to do that. It's a, it's a, I think it's a, a problem with the model, Dr. Kamai. The model is, is very different in Western conventional medicine versus holistic medicine and even looking at the ancient systems of medicine. And, and the holistic model is uh, not, is not really, um, I guess, I guess for lack of a better word, it doesn't make money in some cases. And it certainly there's not enough time to apply the holistic model to a lot of patients, I guess, and sort of is the complaint of medicine. But I think it's beyond that, too. Oh, I, I don't think it's that at all. You're, no, you're okay. being kind of politically correct. <laughs> I think it's al almost completely linked to um, the promotion of drug sales as being really in, in conventional medicine not really doctor's faults, let's say, but the whole model between education uh, run by the pharmaceutical company, owned by the pharmaceutical company, and they are the only ones that would lose if people dealt with high blood pressure a different way. In addition, those older individuals, I'm talking about 90 plus, there's a lot of documentation, and I have the studies, who are 90 plus but super well playing tennis and running, et cetera, they almost all have high blood pressure. So another thing that's done is they create an artificial number above which both for high blood pressure and cholesterol, everyone goes on pharmaceuticals. That's interesting. <laughs> that's really almost diabolical. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. and not to say that there are people who definitely need to bring their blood pressure down because you know, you can share even what what are some of the worries of having elevated blood pressure, but it responds so amazingly easily. That's the thing. I've had my own clients even just take their blood pressure before and after doing yoga. Yeah, just a yoga class will bring the blood pressure down. Right. It's very volatile during the day, and most people experience a spike in high blood pressure when they walk into the doctor's office. Absolutely, yeah. Even if you're a calm, cool, and collected person, there's still... So let's talk about the physiology of, you know, your arteries and, and pressure because it's it's really based on physics and a, and, a, and a fluid model of fluid dynamics, you know? So when when thing, when fluid is squeezed, elicits the pressure and you know to the idea is to try to get that fluid from one place to the other of course our, our body is trying to transport nutrients and blood and, and oxygen and red blood cells from one area to the other to feed all our cells so our body needs to do this now there's a lot of obstacles that get in the way and that can cause problems in this system for instance, a lot of folks don't know this, but their arteries have muscles in them. They're smooth muscles. 
And those muscles are controlled by a, a complex network of nerves and, and minerals and, and all kinds of other factors, receptors that are receptive to stress, to changes in the, in the fluid itself. Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And, you know, many factors uh, uh, play a big role in hypertension. You know, it could be something like you ate too much salt the night before, right? And then the body um, has this compensatory mechanism with salt and potassium ratios. And so then you retain more salt that day. And salt has this ability to raise the blood pressure through, you know, a very complex system called the angiotensin renin system. You know, so you know, kind of communicates to your kidneys that, wow, we got to release some of the salt in the urine so that the pressure isn't high because sodium has this ability to kind of hold on to fluid. So there could be that in people. Some people are, are very much sensitive to salt and they don't realize this. You know, I've even seen this in a patient just a few days ago. They, when they brought in their diet diary, Dr. Kamai, they were like, oh, yeah, I'm on a low-salt diet. And when I read, actually, the things that they were on and I did some research as to the foods that they were eating, the salt was tremendously high in the body. And I think the manufacturers put the salt in the food as like a cheap filler and maybe to get people to eat more of that food because salt is so <laughs> so uh, important for the taste buds and gets people to eat more of that food. What's your feelings about salt? Um, I don't agree at all. Okay. Um, I think salt actually for most people is really excellent. And if it does raise blood pressure, it's um, like temporarily. Now, when we're talking about processed food, ultra processed food, and where that is super over salted right. all day long and all night long, then it's really not the salt. Again, it's the um, fried component of it. It's the filler component of it that might lead to atherosclerosis and hardening of the arteries, which certainly is linked to increasing blood pressure as well, like you said, because of the size of the hose. But, you know, a, a study recently in December 31st, 13th in 2021, JAMA published a study on blood pressure, particularly in older individuals. And that study was so well done and so well recognized in mainstream medicine that it actually changed the recommendations for older medicine. They found that older people actually do better with slightly higher blood pressure. And those between age of 70 and 95, where I am, between 70 and 95, were less likely to develop dementia when their systolic blood pressure was above the old cutoff of 130, okay? So this is the current research. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so 120 over 80 is not a one-size-fits-all. Oh, it's completely been thrown out in mainstream medicine, in right. mainstream medicine according to JAMA, according to NIH. I mean, I don't think people are keeping up with the studies. So it's really not about salt. It's If you don't eat processed food, you don't have to worry about salt. I'll right. tell you that. And a perfect example with the salt thing, I have to say, is my own father. He did pass away at 95, very suddenly, never got old. 
he was like, well, 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 drop dead. You know, which I think everybody's going to meet their end one day. But the day of, he was running around driving, no glasses, no hearing aid, it just, you know, fine. Still, when I say running, I mean literally running, driving, going out to drink and eat and drink. And I said to him, Dad, you shouldn't really drive and drink. I always said that to him. And he would say, well, you know, when you're older than me, you can tell me what to do. But <laughs> he was definitely a salt addict like you know at the table had to be salt and it had to be next to him he had to have his own salt shaker and he had to um you know so everybody else could have one too but one has to be near him and after he passed away you know i had to go through all his things that was sad but everyone who has relatives who pass away have to do that i found these little little teeny salt packets that you rip open yeah. that he must have, let's say, borrowed from every restaurant. And they went to a restaurant all the time. They ate very healthy food, though. No junk food. Um, once in a while, French fries. That was something he had maybe once a month. But he had these little packets of salt actually hidden in, like, the glove compartment of the car and in, in pockets. I mean, he was totally a salt addict. Wow. So I don't believe too much in that in that um, salt theory, other than the salt that's linked to processed food. And really, everyone, and certainly any of you who are healthcare providers or any of you who are oldest than sixty, all you have to do is Google the latest recommendations. I'm talking about in mainstream medicine. Mainstream medicine now for blood pressure has changed. So if you're on high blood pressure medication, you need to look at that. Yeah, interesting. You know, when you go back to the, I, I, my approach is to really individualize it with the patient and look at, try to figure out, well, what, per, instead of making broad statements like, you know, salt is bad for everybody, et cetera, et cetera, which you just showed was not true, um, but, but might be true in some cases. Um, I think it has to do with the individual, you know, part of, part of when we look at the, the beauty of the ancient models is they looked at the constitution of different patients. They looked at, you know, uh, certainly in Ayurvedic medicine, there was the the vata energy, and then the pitta energy and the kapha. So vata energy, what was that? Well, those are people that, you know, they kind of. I always like to use the analogy like dogs. That's <laughs> okay. It, people can understand it. So vata, they're kind of like uh, greyhounds. They're a little bit on the nervous side they tend to so a lot of their hypertension according to ayurvedic principles has to do with um you know their mind and the way they perceive stress and the way they perceive the world and their output of what's called catecholamines uh pitta has a more fiery temperament anger um and have a tendency to be dehydrated kind of interesting and then i had this one interesting uh, story I tell you. So I'd have this guy, patient Tom, he'd come into the office. He'd be out. You know, he was a truck driver. He'd be driving in a hot August day, no air conditioning in his car. And, and he tended to be a pitta guy. He ate lots and lots of fiery, fiery foods, right? But he'd come in and his pressure would be tremendous. I'd come in, have him drink water, have him rehydrate, drink fluids, practice meditation and deep breathing because he was always angry about, he was always listening to the radio and listening to right-wing politics and was always angry. 
And do you know that by the time he he came from the office to here, his blood pressure dropped 40 or 50 points, you know, just, just by calming. Then you have your kapha constitution, people that tend to hold on to weight and water. And so what's interesting is each of these three different constitutional people will be treated the same by conventional medicine without looking at any of their individualities. And whereas in the ancient medicines, they would be treated quite differently, even if each of them came up with a diagnosis of, of high blood pressure. You know, for a kapha person, maybe they're, they tend to be, that's a water constitution, and they, they tend to hold on to more, too much water in their body and fats. So it could be that their blood could be too viscous. You know, part of hypertension is that the body has to uh, push the blood out. And if the blood is too thick, we see this on a winter day. Well, maybe you don't see it anymore, Dr. Kamai. <laughs> but <laughs> right. on a winter day, the oil is so thick that the engine's struggling to move this sludge, this oil, out until it warms up. So that's going to cause, that's going to, cause the heart to push harder and of course raise the pressure that's just fluid dynamics so looking at the individual and factors that make their blood thick is something that i think the ancient medicines would would do and there's five or six parameters of blood viscosity that again probably is not looked at in conventional medicine but was looked at by the ancient people so another one that causes um, blood viscosity issues is chronic dehydration. I think that, that's a I think that's a big problem in in America, Doctor Kamai. I think a lot of people aren't drinking enough water, and that sometimes just helps with hypertension. What's your thinking about that? Oh, absolutely. The thing is, I think it's really that is one of the issues that is not a drug related treatment plan. I mean. And so rare, just some maybe genetic problem that somebody actually needs blood pressure meds because you can try, for instance, they're so well documented, even supplements, but lifestyle first, even coffee, fish oil, garlic, grapeseed extract, hibiscus, magnesium, pine bark extract, soy, taurine, vitamin C, arginine, CoQ10 flaxseed, hawthorn. These are just a few of the actual supplements that have some real, real double-blind placebo-controlled trials with patients and where it brings down both systolic and diastolic blood pressure, as well as the lifestyle things you know that we already mentioned, like yoga, deep breathing. And of course, what you put in your mouth has everything to do with the composition of your body. I would suggest that one of the first things everyone try is just stop eating all wheat. And I mean all wheat, like bread, cake, cookies, pasta, and pizza. Everyone who tries that feels better. I think a real trick, trick to that is have other things available. Like for instance, cook a big pot of quinoa. It cooks really quick. I mean, 20 minutes, it's done. And then what I do is I scoop it into various containers and freeze a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And then I have some that I use for a few days. And then I 
take it out of the freezer. I put a scoop next to steamed vegetables. And, you know, if you're eating meat and that's it, you don't need the bread. And rice cakes is another good alternative for many people if they just want that thing to crunch on or organic corn tortillas. So there's really easy ways around that. Now, while that will make you feel healthier, will make you lose weight if you have excess weight, um, especially if you then put in walking, and that's one of the best, best things for hypertension is exercise. Yeah. So before you know it, it's not a problem. You feel better in every way, and you do not need those high blood pressure meds. But it's, I think it's a travesty that they create a false number, which, as I said, I really want everyone to just Google uh, what blood pressure number is considered normal, especially if you're older, okay? Because what they have found is all the healthiest older people, like my dad, had something that would be considered unmedicated high blood pressure. So, you know, that's just it. That is the, the mainstream story right now. Mainstream. Well, I guess we're going to take a break, uh, play our natural medicine chest, and thank our wonderful um, station here for helping us bring this great message to you so we can teach you about health, wellness, and alternative medicine. So we'll take a break and more on hypertension with the natural nurse and Dr. Z when we return. Stay with us. On this edition of the Natural Medicine Test, we'll discuss an herb we all know and love, cinnamon. Ah, spicy, sweet smell of cinnamon. Everyone recognizes the familiar aroma of this common kitchen spice. But did you know that cinnamon is an exotic plant bark with a long history of medicinal use in many countries throughout the world? Cinnamon was listed as an herb with medicinal properties in Chinese literature as early as 2700 BC. It is described in the Chinese medical text, the Tang Materia Medica, written in 659 AD. Cinnamon also enjoys traditional use in Ayurvedic medicine, the ancient healing art of India. It is mentioned in the Book of Moses and has been cultivated in Ceylon and Sri Lanka since 1200 AD, where much of the world's supply is still grown. In Europe, cinnamon was regarded as a rare and precious spice. Many pharmaceutical substances such as cough syrups and digestive tonics contain cinnamon. It was also used as an incense and in perfumes. According to Chamberlain, writing in France in 1887, cinnamon possesses the greatest antiseptic properties. Cinnamon is gathered from the dried inner bark of the branches of a small tropical evergreen laurel tree. The bark is peeled off, and as the pieces are dried, they curl up into quills. These are the common cinnamon sticks that are used in herb teas and for baking. In Chinese medicine, cinnamon is one of the most widely used warming herbs to aid in circulation and digestion. It is a common ingredient in small amounts in tea used for nausea during pregnancy. It is also used following delivery to decrease hemorrhage. Cinnamon raises vitality, warms and stimulates all the vital functions of the body, counteracts congestion, improves the digestive system, relieves abdominal spasms, and aids in peripheral circulation. The essential oils contained in cinnamon include eugenol, cinnaminic aldehyde, methyl eugenol, tannins, and mannitol, which give cinnamon its sweet flavor. It also contains synzenolin and synzenolol, which are both known insecticides. 
Try putting some liquid soap and cinnamon in a spray bottle and use on plants as an organic bug repellent. Cinnamon is also included in many medicinal recipes that are used for lice, scabies, and other skin parasites. Cinnamon has antifungal, antiviral, and bactericidal activities. It has been shown to suppress E. coli, Staphylococcus, and Candida albicans. So listeners, the next time you inhale that sweet, spicy aroma, remember there's more to cinnamon than meets the nose as you reach into your natural medicine chest. Uh, I guess we're back. And we're back. And Dr. Yeah. Z, you know, also, I feel like in terms of this specific thing that we're talking about today, high blood pressure, yeah. there is so much excellent information. And every single individual, well, unless, you know, you really people, not everybody has like any money if you have no money. But if you have like $20 or less, you can get a, a blood pressure cuff. Oh, fantastic idea. Yeah. So you can, you know, there, there are big expensive ones, you know, for hundreds of dollars, but you don't need that. Even the old fashioned wrap around your arm, blood pressure cup, Amazon has them, maybe $15. I mean, this is not a major investment. So you can be much more involved with your own care in terms of high blood pressure. You can learn what raises it. And what lowers it? And you will find that relaxation, deep breathing, a yoga class will bring that high blood pressure down within minutes, within minutes. So a lot of it is, you know, self-regulated. And then if you change your diet and do one thing only, like I said, just reduce bread, cake, pasta, pizza, donuts, bagels, anything with wheat for one week, see how that affects your blood pressure. So you cannot make the decision if you're on high blood pressure meds. You really cannot make the decision to not use it. However, one time um, a doctor uh, did my mother's blood pressure and it was elevated when we got there. She's 94 years old. And they said, oh, her blood pressure is elevated. Of course, they were using the old numbers, which are no longer recognized look it up. And they gave her high blood pressure pills. And I told them, I'm sorry, um, can you please write that prescription? Everybody can do this, by the way. Can you please write that prescription as PRN? In nursing language and doctor language, as you know, Dr. Z, PRN means as needed. So if you can get your doctor to rewrite you know, your prescription so you feel comfortable, PRN meaning that you take your blood pressure and you only have to take that med if it's above a certain number and make sure if you're, let's say, 65 or older, that that number relates to the real numbers now, which you can find online that have been changed since 2022, not long ago, that yeah. they actually reestablished a completely different number at yeah. which to give blood pressure meds. And then you get that as PR. It means you don't have to take it every day. So you start taking your blood pressure often and you can find what elevates it and what lowers it. And like you said, Dr. Z, that individual who listened to those you know, radio shows that are spouting hate every minute. Yes, yes. Or how about just the news? On yeah, the news, there's yeah. war. I yeah. mean, you know, so just watching the news, you can take your blood pressure and go, wow, that elevated it. 
Absolutely. And you decide to not watch the news and drink Hawthorne tea, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, or passion flower. Um, the, the other thing you mentioned is, yeah, that these uh, interventions uh, need to be also applied, you know, sort of with that feedback. And I love the idea of people getting the blood pressure cuff so they could see the feedback in my is this helping my pressure? It's almost like people wearing the glucose monitor, which, you know, is pretty interesting. Because even I was at a conference, Dr. Kamai, up in, in Burlington, and we had a doctor from South Africa. And he was saying that even in many of his non-diabetic patients, that he recommended that they try wearing the glucose monitor for a couple of weeks to just see if any foods spike up their sugar. And he he was amazed, even in himself. He's a non-diabetic, right? And and he wore this glucose monitor, and he found that many, many fruits spiked up his blood sugar, and that's what they call glycation. Now, that's related to hypertension because we t I talked about the, the factors that make your blood thick, and one of the things that thickens the blood is not being able to process sugar and, you know, I always tease patients that they have maple syrup blood, but that that thickens, that's one of those parameters that thickens the blood that I was talking about when I was talking about the fluid dynamics. So careful monitoring of the blood sugar can actually be not only related to diabetes or hypoglycemia, but also hypertension. And I don't think people realize that, 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 that the thicker their blood, the more work the heart has to do. So, yeah. That, that makes to... sense. I actually am a big fan. I think the use of those glucose monitors should be expanded. And yeah. I actually think along with the blood pressure cuff, everyone should have that because that's another thing. If you can monitor both your diet and your lifestyle to bring that blood sugar, not just down, but stop it from keep spiking and spiking and spiking. I... And you can do that through what you do, through your thoughts, your actions, your exercise, and what you put in your mouth. That's the thing. We can self-regulate. Not that you're going to live forever, but, you know, my goal is to be active well into elder age. And what they're finding is those people who are have high blood pressure, by the way, normally, and it's good for them. And the worst thing that could be do, uh, done to them is giving them these high blood pressure meds. Yeah, because your body has to compensate for a lot of the physiological changes that happen as we get older. So, you know, as we get older, the, the arteries are going to become a little less elastic. That's part of the process, you know. And, and if you're forcing the pressure to be low even though the body's compensatory mechanism wants it to be high. Why? Because you want the body to get oxygen. You want your cells. So putting people on these blood pressure pills prematurely or, or when they're elderly and bringing the pressure too low based on the old numbers is going to starve the cells of oxygen. Well, that's not good for aging. <laughs> even, even, yes, that's one consideration, but what about the, all the other myriad of negative metabolic effects, adverse effects caused by those medications. So when you're looking at mm -hmm. the risk-benefit ratio of a number that's a little high, which now they're finding out is good, 
versus the adverse effect of the meds, there should be pretty much almost no one should be on them. That's that's what I would say. Not no one. People who want to eat processed food and sit around all day, you know, they may need to be on those meds, but their quality of life is not going to improve, zero. But those people who want to stay healthy, which is probably most of our listeners, might be interested in in the myriad of research that's showing natural things that can lower your blood pressure. As I said, if you don't like the word meditation, how about prayer? Read the Bible. Sit there and read the Bible for half an hour. Take your blood pressure with your blood pressure cuff that you bought, which for $15. Take your blood pressure before and after you sit and read the Bible for a few minutes or whatever, or meditation, or a yoga class, or a Tai Chi, which you can do for free on your computer. Just type in Tai Chi and there's 10 million YouTube classes for five minutes and take your blood pressure again. One guy I had was an interesting case study um, so his pressure was high and we looked at a lot of different factors. And one thing I found is that his going back to the thickness of the blood, really interesting though, is that he had excessive amount of a protein in his blood, which is called fibrinogen, which is this protein that is involved in the clotting process. And, you know, he had, um, had a you know genetic history or, or predisposition to strokes on his family side and whatnot. So I was like, huh, this is interesting. So I ran a clotting cascade on him. And sure enough, he was someone that had more propensity to, to have clots. So I put him on one of our great herbs that we talked about in our book, The Natural Medicine Chest, bromelain. Actually, it's not an herb. It's the, it's the proteolytic enzyme from pineapple to help dissolve this fibrous matrix. And he took the bromelain on an empty stomach. And, you know, that that improved his health so dramatically. And uh, he's been he's been fine. And yet his brothers and sisters who haven't taken up that intervention all had strokes. So that's an interesting um, So let's look look deeply at some of our, um, like magnesium and really simple herbal friends, which have have such great clinical trials, like hibiscus is one. Now in Florida, where I live, hibiscus Mm -hmm. grows everywhere. And so you can just walk through the community by my house and, and pull off hibiscus flowers and make tea of them, you know, any day of the week. So if you don't have hibiscus, there's lots of hibiscus tea that's available in the health food store. But several clinical trials have shown that hibiscus specifically lowers blood pressure. One meta-analysis of five randomized controlled trials um, show that those with mild blood pressure elevation were completely helped. So why not? As a matter of fact, 320 milligrams of hibiscus worked as well as rampapril, which is an antihypertensive drug in the ACE inhibitor family at reducing diastolic pressure and also reduced systolic pressure. And, you know, basically um, it, it's just amazing that something so mild could help, maybe not to the point of the ramapril, but very close to it with none of the adverse effects. Yeah, and, and actually I'm sure good side effects as hibiscus is loaded with antioxidants which actually protect your arteries from 
damage. So, you know, another theory of hypertension is, you know, there's micro damage that's happening to our arteries. And then in the healing process of that, you know, it's just like a cut or a wound that, you know, this, you keep getting a scab on it. Well, eventually you'll get this hypertrophic scab and that's going to not be as flexible. So, you know, how can we prevent hardening of the arteries? Well, all these things that we talked about, because hardening of the arteries is another reason for why people get hypertension over time. So the goal is to make sure that you're consuming lots of antioxidant-rich foods, chocolate powder, green tea. I like astaxanthin because astaxanthin has the highest antioxidant rating of any supplement or food and it's from an algae so i've been doing astaxanthin now for years and it's been fantastic for my own training like even even i you know i could train in karate and not even wake up sore i train with 20 year old guys and beat them up <laughs> so but but antioxidants i think are the big thing dr Camayo. everything is everything is cholesterol driven in society but cholesterol is a normal is a normal part of physiology, right? Oh well, we can do another show on cholesterol. Okay, well, we'll I have do that at I some have point. the same advice with cholesterol, and in fact, those cholesterol numbers have recently been reevaluated as well. And it just seems like they create the numbers to specifically be able to recommend a lot of pharmaceuticals. And then, of course, the pharmaceuticals cause adverse effects that you need another pharmaceutical. So I think their goal is for each person to be on five pharmaceuticals for life. Wow. That's, that makes sense. Yeah, but we exactly. can look at another great, great supplement, Dr. Z. Yeah. That's good for so many, many things and has been specifically studied for um, its action on blood pressure. And that is magnesium. Magnesium is needed for over 400 reactions in our body and is probably one of the most um, deficient minerals in the United States diet. Why? Because we're not eating enough vegetables. Magnesium comes from the chloroplast of all plants. All plants photosynthesize and need chloroplast. And at the center of the chloroplast is magnesium. So magnesium is one of those things that if we just ate more vegetables, Dr. Kamai, um, we would get more magnesium naturally. But you can take a little bit of a supplement. if. Oh, yeah, I'm very low. into magnesium as a supplement because mm -hmm. I think nobody, regardless of what vegetables they're eating, is getting enough because the soil itself has been so majorly depleted of magnesium. And mm -hmm. multiple randomized control shot trials show that magnesium can reduce high blood pressure, stop, full stop. A meta-analysis that included that from 34 randomized controlled trials with a total of 2,028 participants with either normal or high blood pressure found that supplementing with 300 milligrams of magnesium or more daily for two months actually helped to decrease blood pressure. And then like you said, it has all these other positive effects. So I really like magnesium glycinate. That's a form that I like. Also, marine algae, because you were just talking about algae too. Mm -hmm. um, marine algae magnesium is another good one. But you can get, of course, like Dr. Z and other naturopaths um, do 
an analysis of what nutrients you actually have in your blood, where conventional doctors don't do that. Yeah, I mean, because the other big thing with hypertension um, that's very important for us to add, and, and I always do uh, homage to our illustrious Dr. Serafina Corsello, one of our teachers, master teacher, passed away a while ago. But she taught me that always look. She, I remember her being in her office. She said, always check people for toxic heavy metals if they have hypertension. And I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. But why? And then she went over the mechanisms that a lot of these metals, Dr. Kamai, they actually fight with. Remember her, I remember Dr. Corsello showing me the periodic table, which we've all seen in chemistry and biology class. And she goes, look, magnesium's a plus two. So is lead. So is cadmium. So is mercury. So is aluminum. And if, you, if these metals are in your body from cosmetics, fish poisoning, environmental poisoning, whatever, that's going to fight against all the magnesium. And then and that's going to disrupt the physiology. So there's, I remember her showing me all these studies about cadmium poisoning and hypertension. So that's an interesting, um, another way that we need more minerals is because the minerals are involved in helping us get rid of these heavy metals that accumulate in our body. So Dr. Z, if someone were to set up a virtual appointment with you, because I think you're doing those still, yeah. Um, how would you be able to sort of order a test which would measure? I know we do hair analysis. Mm -hmm. How about measuring all your nutrient levels so you know if you need more B vitamins or more zinc or more magnesium, like we're talking about? You know, there's some there's some fantastic um, testing that's available through either either red blood cells or or even the urine or even looking at what's called organic acids which are these kind of molecular metabolic measurement things in our body that if they're high or low means that you're not getting enough of that particular amino acid and these are easily measured in the urine through a, a very non-stressful because we're talking about hypertension here because, you know, the only time I get hypertension, Dr. Kamai, is when I actually go get a blood draw. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Usually you know, when people so, go to the doctor, their blood pressure goes up yeah, right away. I, I don't. I mean, I like to I like to draw people's blood, but I don't like to get my blood drawn. <laughs> eh, typical doctor. <laughs> but yeah, but, but certainly you want to um, use these non-invasive pre-diagnostic measurements of health and wellness some of these tests are like my favorite one is the organic acid test that looks at how healthy are we do we have these minerals that dr kamai and myself have been mentioning throughout the program here do we uh, is our biochemistry working well or are there problems not just measuring like sickness oriented measurements which are done in conventional medicine but looking at well how well is my body and so that's kind of what, what we do in naturopathic medicine is we try to look for these wellness parameters. And then if the patient's not well, then we look at their lifestyle and say, well, how can I eat more vegetables? How, by the way, four stalks of celery, four stalks of celery, which I know is very 
essential for the rainbow feather juice, Dr. Kamai's famous recipe, four stalks of celery lowered blood pressure in clinical trials. That's pretty amazing that just eating more celery seemed to help with people's uh, blood pressure. Easy yeah, so, to do. So there's so much that can be done. That's the point. But it's not like, okay, I can just sit around, watch TV all day, eat all this processed food, and then go to the doctor, get a drug, and everything's going to be okay. That's just not how it works. Unfortunately, though, that seems to be how it, it is working. And so hopefully we could uh, you know, dispel the madness because that's you know, kind of the model. I actually think less so. Like we started this show. Uh, what year was it? I think you started at the station there in 1989 or something like that, or 87. I mean, Maybe, when we yeah. started this show, people knew a lot less about what we're talking about now. Now, um, the supplement industry, if that's any kind of reflection on how many people are interested in natural interventions, has grown something, you know, like 20% in a year which is a ridiculous growth rate. So more and more people are interested, but the thing is, it's still the same thing about lifestyle. You can't just sit around, watch TV, eat processed food, and take supplements or take herbs. Right. It's about taking control of what goes in your mouth and how much exercise you do. And then mm -hmm. using these tools like getting a blood pressure cuff. And then you can see when you do this, it goes up. When you go there, it goes down. And blood pressure meds actually are some that can be recommended PRN, as I mentioned, which means you don't necessarily have to take them every day. You can use as needed. And then you could be taking your blood pressure, using some herbs, doing more exercise, eating more vegetables, and you will see that it just comes down so you don't need the meds as much. I love that suggestion. And I actually just learned something that well, we all learn. We all learn new stuff every yeah, day. Yeah, thank you. That I mean, I was under the thing that you know, once people are on the blood pressure medicine, that they their doctor is going to just recommend that they you know stay on these things. Oh, oh they are. They will. Yes. Oh, okay. You have to bring this information to your doctor and say who I learned this from. I'll tell you who knows. If you see a gerontologist, mm -hmm. you know, a doctor that's specifically practicing with the older population they have now changed their recommendation because of the latest science. Well, that's interesting. Um, we'll have to recommend that people pursue that and understand that, you know, the, the, that the pressure and taking your blood pressure gives you instant feedback as to where you are. And that's what's great about it. You know, unlike getting a blood test all the time, that's a little bit more invasive. You know, uh, you know, people, I, I think that they've developed that, you know, glucose monitor for that very purpose so that you can get that feedback right away um, and know, like, uh, like, for instance, that South African doctor, every time he ate an apple, his, his blood pressure was great. But when he ate an orange, it shot up through the roof. So he was like, wow, that's good advice, because even though I don't, I'm not a diabetic, if I keep spiking the sugar up and then a dropping, spiking sugar drop. That's what increases glycation and, and sugar can actually act like a sticky protein that kind of glues things together. And that can be very bad for blood pressure and so many other bad things. But he wouldn't have known about the orange 
the oranges, which is seemingly a benign, healthy, delicious food. It was actually clementines that he loved. <laughs> Maybe he was eating too many of them because sometimes but also he was he was looking at the blood sugar, not at the blood pressure. Right, right? but he but but it but it related to his pressure because the stickiness of the blood made it thick, and that increased. You got to remember that the, the folks that the your your veins, sorry, your arteries and your heart are pumps. They're fluid dynamic pumps like we learned in physics class. And anything that's going to make your blood thick is going to make your heart work harder to pump it. So if you can keep the blood nice and thin, that lowers pressure. So there's a there's a feedback physiology. There's many. I mean, it's so amazing. Also, Dr. Kamai, anything that opens and relaxes your arteries, herbs and whatnot, also can lower the pressure. You know, we talked about magnesium and, and also the hibiscus, but you mentioned hawthorn berry. That's one of my favorite interventions. I have I have practically every patient on hawthorn. No reason why not. It is so beneficial. It's just an amazing, amazing herb that really is it's not it's not called an adaptogen, which means something that you know most people can take safely ongoingly, but I actually do think it it, it could be called an adaptogen. I, I agree. And, um, you know, like any of these amazing uh, food-based medicines, Hawthorne is derived from the berries and the flowers and the leaves of this amazing plant, which is called Critagus, or commonly known as Hawthorne berry. And it contains a variety of flavonoids and these network of flavonoids called OPCs which help our body heal hypertension over time through many mechanisms. One, it has these vasoactive amines in it, which cause this, the, the muscles in our cardiovascular system to relax. So interesting, because these are considered what they call smooth muscles. They're not considered voluntary muscles, but I think that they are a little bit voluntary, you know, when we do our relaxation and meditation. Then Hawthorne actually stops the process of hardening of the arteries. Well, when the arteries get hard, they don't, they're not as, as they're more resistant to change. And that resistance to change can drive up the blood pressure. So being helping that is one of the aspects of- And there's so much, there's CoQ10, there's omega-3 fatty acids that have some very good research. Hawthorne, like you said, is just amazing because the ancient traditional belief of Hawthorne um, was the fact that the, what they call Hawthorne berries, which look a lot like crab apples, they don't have a Hawthorne tree, um, and they're red like that. So that's why the Doctrine of Signatures talked about it. It's like a heart, little heart shape. But now with science, we find that although it is historically thought to be good for the heart. Hawthorne, in particular, the leaf and the flower, which come out in early spring, the extracts from that are shown to be really helpful um, for heart health and also for lowering blood pressure in particular. Yeah, and, and it's a healthy snack. When I was down in Chinatown during our trip, I remember uh, advice that one of the Chinese doctors told us years ago he had said that, you know, they eat lots of walnuts and goji berries. 
And both of those are fantastic for blood pressure in the heart. You have all the omega-3s and the walnuts and all its fantastic other probably minerals and phytonutrients. And then the, the goji berry is a very interesting antioxidant benefits the eyes, but also benefits the arteries. And don't forget ginkgo, which is, we made a nice video about the ginkgo when we were in Chinatown, Dr. Kamala. Yes, we did. So that's that's a wonderful um, information for people, you know, that you can take care of yourself a lot, but you have to take responsibility for yourself. Yeah. And I guess we have to wrap up this segment of the Yes, it's been here. great to speak to you, Dr. Z, and for all our listeners. Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. The best place to find us is on our websites at drz, that's drznaturally.com, and at naturalnurse.com, where we post all our activities. We already have our up-and-coming Jamaica trip for next spring posted at naturalnurse.com under um, events, or you can go to Echo Tours for cures. And until that time... We always like you guys to stay, stay healthy. Healthy. Bye bye. Ciao.